Welcome to the Gathering Church. We're so glad that you are with us this morning. Like Pastor John Mark said, I'm Robbie Denson. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and rarely do I get a back-to-back. And so I'm, I'm excited to be speaking this morning. I'm excited. Hey, it's Memorial Day weekend, and I am just excited to see you here today. We've always got a bump in our online attendance on days like today because we're in Asheville, and no one's from Asheville. Someone's, everybody's got somewhere to go on a holiday in Asheville. And so our online attendance always bumps. And so I just want to extend a special welcome to those of you joining us online. We are hope you're safe. We hope you're having fun. Can't wait to see you back next week. This week, uh, two weeks ago, Pastor John Mark came out of his office, and he was white in the face, and he said, uh, I need to read this email to you guys. Something's gone horribly wrong. And Echo Church had reached out to him to speak, and he just was bouncing off ideas with us as to what, have, what could have gone wrong at Echo for them to reach out for him to come and speak. And so we just knew, Robert and I and, and, and Sarah, our kids director, knew we had to make a way for him to be out there. And so uh, we just got a great team here at The Gathering. And I'm not, I'm not talking about our staff. I'm talking about our dream team. I'm talking about you. And so when crazy things happen, and they happen often here at The Gathering Church, our team comes around and makes a way for us to have a great Sunday morning experience. Just want to let you know real quick, life groups. If you haven't signed up for a life group, you are missing out. We've got over 100 people signed up for groups right now. And, and groups last, signups last for another couple of weeks. But I just want you to know if you're sitting out there and you're thinking, oh, 100 people, well, I haven't signed up. Well, everyone around you has, right? And so go to the website, sign up. Don't be one of those people. Uh, last week, we concluded a series called I Want to Believe But... Great series for those who want to believe in God, but there's something in the way. There's a hurdle to get in the way for them to really go all in. I'd encourage you to, to bring this series up at work, to bring that series up uh, with your friends. All of the messages are on our website. They can go there and watch those. But today is special. I get the opportunity. We're in between series, and so I just get a chance to share what's on my heart and what I feel like God's been doing in me and through me and around me. And I've been investing in a lot of people lately and I've had a lot of people investing in me and I'm hearing people's story and I just feel like God's laid a word on my heart for this morning. And so today the message is called, The Light is Green. The Light is Green. Let me ask a question. How many of you are like me? You are technically a good person. But when it comes to traffic and it, when it comes to the way other people drive, all bets are off. All bets are off, right? Can I just, can I just be honest with you this morning? I, I'm a really go-with-the-flow type of person, but there's something about the way other people drive that I, I am not the problem. Let me just say, you are. You are the problem, not me. No, I'm kidding. In my heart of hearts, I know that I'm just as bad of a driver as you are. The other day, I was on Haywood Road, and I'm sitting behind, I'm sitting at a red light, and I'm about 15 cars deep, and the, the light is green. And this, this, this person is just 
just on their phone, just phoning it up, man. They just got important issues. I'm sure life is just hitting them hard in that moment or Instagram. They're just not done looking at their feed. And you know, I'm just sitting there. You should have heard the things I was yelling at my windshield. I'm not supposed to say those type of things. I'm not brave enough to honk my horn because I don't want to deal with those consequences. You know, like when you, like, have you ever honked your horn at someone and then like they slow down to get beside you and you're just like, I, I, why, I, why do I feel like the jerk? You're the jerk, but you know what I'm saying? Just the key is not, just pro tip, no eye contact. You don't have to deal with it. I'm being silly, right? But the point I'm trying to make is some of us need to look up and we need to see that the light is green. The light is green. Have you ever felt stuck in life? Have you ever felt like there's no place for you to go? There's there's, there's circumstances surrounding you are heavy and you have a lack of mobility. There's no way to move forward. You know, I think the enemy wants to deceive us into thinking that we're at a red light that's broken and the light can't turn green. But this morning, I want to share and I want to compel you to, to understand that because of Jesus, the light is green and it's time for some of you to get moving. This morning, I want to get behind you. And like I said, I'm not a big honker. I almost said honky. (laughs) I'm not a big honker. But I do just want to beep a little. You know, there's a difference between a honk and a beep. You hit the bottom of your, you just did the bottom of it, it's just beep. So this morning, I just want to get behind you. And I just want to hit hit a beep behind you just to get you moving. You can always tell when someone's honking at you and when someone's beeping at you. They're just kind of giving you a heads up. This morning, I want, I want to get behind you and give you a heads up. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is talking with his disciples about what it will look like to truly follow him. I love this passage. I almost didn't use this passage because it's heavy. But what we see here is the disciples are in a very similar season of life as many of, you and, as many of us this morning. They're they're toying with the idea of going all in with Jesus. They like what they're hearing. They're playing around with the idea, but they're not quite sure if they're ready to go all in. And I want you to listen to this conversation that Jesus has with his disciples, and he doesn't sugarcoat it for them. So we'll start in verse 57. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes and hens have bird's nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Jesus is painting a picture for his disciples. The disciples are coming to him and they're saying, you know what, the time is now. I'm ready to go all in. And Jesus says, yeah, you can follow me, but you need to know that I don't stay in hotels. I don't travel with a pillow. And for some of us, the reason we struggle to move forward in our spiritual journey, to go all in, is because we're looking for the easy route. And I love what Jesus says here. What he's saying to me is, I never said following me would be easy. I said it would be good. And good doesn't always mean easy. In fact, anything good in your life has come at a cost. It has been difficult to obtain. The passage continues and it only gets wilder. He said to another man, follow me. 
But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, and these are, this is Jesus. You can get mad at him. You can't get mad at me. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Here, Jesus is talking to a guy who's willing to follow him, but he's got to take care of a few things first. And I'm with you on this. I know what you're thinking. Jesus, let him go take care of his father. And so I wrestled with using this verse. I thought for a second, I could just take this out of the message. But I think what Jesus is trying to say here is that so often it's easy to convince ourselves, I'll follow you, Jesus, when the timing is right. Jesus, I will follow you, but I need to get some things in order first. Jesus, I will follow you, but I've got to get my life in order. And I believe this morning that God is presenting himself to some of you and telling you, come on, now's the time. You don't have to wait any longer. Don't let anything get in the way of the life I have for you. The light is green. Let's go. It's time. I believe that we are closer to discovering the purpose God has for our life than we think. You just got to move forward. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus continues his conversation and he's, he's talking to his disciples. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. These are some challenging verses. They're tough to wrestle with. I had to remind myself this week of a season in my life where I felt like God, I felt like telling God, listen, God, I'm in this, but I'm not ready. I remember when we left to Charleston to, to plant the gathering church, and I love Charleston, and I love my people in Charleston, and I just remember I have an overwhelming sense of fear come inside of me. And, you know, there's only been a few times in my life where I felt like God was yelling at me, like where he just grabbed my face and said, Robbie, Robbie, I got something for you. And this is one of those times, and I'm reminded of that. I remember when God spoke to me and he said, Robbie, I will never ask you to do something for me that I haven't first done for you. Robbie, I'm asking you to go all in, but I want you to know that I that I went all in first. Jesus asked those of us who are willing to follow him to go all in because he first went all in for us. You know, it's not hard to ask people to do crazy things if you've gone ahead of them and done those crazy things. Jesus is asking that you go all in for him. Going all in for Jesus means you have to be willing to move on from some things that may be holding you back. There's a reason why our foot's on the brake. We've got to begin to discover those so we can work through them. There's always a reason why now's not a good time to go all in, but we've got to be willing to put our foot on the gas and move forward. So today, I want to talk about three things that you may need to move on from. And I don't want to just unpack what you need to move on from. I want to help you to see a next step. So we're going to look at three things to help you identify that maybe you need to move on. And then I want to talk about some changes that we may need to make in order to move forward. The first thing that you may need to move on from is old history. Some of us need to hit Control-Alt-Delete on some things in our life, on some things in our past. I'm talking about the mistakes 
the decisions, that event that took place that has somehow come to define you. Some of us have begun to see ourselves through the lens of a mistake from the past. Or maybe you've begun to see yourselves through an insecurity from the past. And your history up your future. Look at what Isaiah says in chapter 43. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Some of us are living in the wilderness and living in the wastelands. And I don't know what put you there. And I do not want to minimize it. Hear my heart there. I don't want to minimize your history. But I do want to maximize the power of our God. When you come to know God and you start putting down the history, you'll begin to see a path towards something new. Do you believe that this morning? God is doing something new in you. You have to believe that before you can move on from old history. The second thing that maybe you need to move on from, maybe you need to move on from old habits. These are the addictions. The desire to measure up, the habit of comparison. Maybe the way you talk has become a negative habit in your life. You speak negatively over yourself. Here's what, I, here's what I'm talking about. Here's a question you can ask yourself. Is there anything in my life that is mastering me? Is there anything in my life that has a better grip on me than I do? Is there anything in my life that masters me more than God? Maybe you need to lay your phone down for a little bit. Talking about social media. Maybe you need to minimize the things in your life that cause you to compare your reality to everyone else's highlight reel. Right? We trap ourselves in a cycle of comparison. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. And he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Moving on from old habits starts when you begin to allow God to correct some behaviors. For some of us, moving on from old habits is going to require some humility. The idea that Maybe you do need to work on some things. Jesus, I'm not perfect. I have flaws. I have, char- I have character defects. I have sin that I need to deal with. You know, when you and I accept Jesus in our hearts and we know God, he doesn't give us an upgrade. Jesus doesn't, doesn't, doesn't download an upgrade in us. No, Jesus gives us a whole new model to work with. You have been made new. For some of us, we're operating out of an upgrade, but we still have deficiencies from our former self. And I think what Jesus is saying, no, I don't want to give you, I, I'm gonna get, you're a brand new model. You have been made new. That which held you back no longer has a grip on you unless you give it the grip back. We can move on from them. We're going to talk about some things you can do to help you this morning. The third thing that you may need to move on from is old hurts. Maybe you need to move on from old hurts. You may be wounded. There may have been a season in your life where someone hurt you. 
You hurt yourself. And it's hard to move on from it. I know. I, I get it. I've been there. But some of us have, have, have adjusted our life to the pain. We've decided to live with the pain. Rather than putting down the hurt from the past, we've allowed it to become a part of us. And I'm just going to bring up an idea to help you identify if you've gotten adjusted to the pain. If when someone encourages you to move on, if when someone encourages you to let go, if someone challenges you to move forward and you get defensive, could it be that you've gotten comfortable with the pain? And the idea of moving out of it is scarier than having adjusted to living with it. What if you took the necessary steps to move on from the hurt? What if you were willing to do whatever it takes? Join, join a life group, get into some counseling, introduce vulnerability into your life. Pull someone close and do what we talked about last week. Tell that person, meet with them and say, I'm not okay. Some of us need to get honest. One of the things that my wife and I have learned in our counseling, and we still go once a month, is that you cannot manage what you do not acknowledge. And when you don't acknowledge things, it doesn't mean they're not there. I say we manage them. Let's bring them to the surface and let's deal with it. Let's look at what Paul says about this idea of moving on from the old. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and you're going you're to see a trend this morning. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. If you're taking notes this morning, I just would encourage you to write this down. I can't start the next chapter of my life if I keep rereading the last one. I can't start the next chapter of my life if I keep rereading the last one. The next chapter may be scary. The next chapter may be painful. But we've got to decide to turn the page. Some of us are, are still defined by history, habits, and hurts, but it is possible to put those things down and to move on from them. It's time to make a change. I, had, I heard it said best like this. Some of us, we need to start staring at the blessing and only glance at the pain. Stare at the blessing of Jesus. Stare at the good and only glance at the pain. The pain is what is going to make you who you are, but it's there to propel you into what God has for you. If you look at the life of Jesus, you'll see that the first 30 years of his life are basically left to the imagination. There's a few things here and there, but the overwhelming majority of his life we see around the age of 30 when he begins his ministry. He comes onto the scene of being baptized by his cousin John, and then from there his ministry really begins. And I want to read to you something that Matthew writes, and he writes the words of Jesus, and he says in Matthew chapter 4, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And I love this because that word repent has gotten a bad rap, right? We see guys on the corner with their picket signs yelling. Really, it's kind of interesting. They're literally yelling the same thing that Jesus was yelling, that he was encouraging. But you know what Jesus would do? He would come alongside someone, and they'd begin to journey through life together. And he'd say, hey, it's time to repent. 
for the kingdom of heaven is near. And there's, it's amazing what you can do to speak into someone when you're willing to walk alongside them. But that word repent means to change your mind. Why does Jesus ask us to repent? To change our mind. He says, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Did you know that we're living for a kingdom? You're living for a kingdom when you walk with Jesus. And the problem for many of us is that we are the kings and queens of our own kingdom. We determine our potential. We determine our success. And we determine the path to get there. What if you were to change your mind? Here's the problem with that. Some of us, the way we view ourselves, we don't view ourselves as a success. Some of us, the way we view ourselves, it's not with purpose. And we're the king and queen of our own kingdom, and we're destroying ourselves. But what if you were to change your mind? What if you were to stop calling the shots for your own life? What if you were to put Jesus in a place of prominence? Uh, what if you were to get close to him so you can hear him and begin to obey him? Jesus wants to partner alongside you to get you moving forward. And some of us, we think we're moving, but our foot won't get off the brake. I think it's time to make a change. Let's look at uh, some, uh, some things that we, we can change this morning. The first is this. Maybe it's time to get closer to God. Closer to God. And I'm not talking about being able to present yourself well. I'm not talking about being able to have all the right answers. I'm talking about intimacy, proximity. You know, I, I, I don't know, I can't know well the things I don't pull close. We've got to pull things close. I know my kids well because I pull them close. I know my wife well because I pull her close. I love what Paul writes. I, I, I was reading a few weeks ago in my quiet time, and I just had to stop and, and just, and just have, a, have a moment. And it says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with what? With freedom and confidence. Some of us are so afraid to approach God. And I wrote in my journal that day, Jesus, thank you for proximity. Thank you for coming close to me. Thank you for being available to me. Some of us need to develop an intimacy and a closeness to God. He is closer than you think he is. James writes in chapter 4, verse 8, he says, come close to God. And notice, we have to take a step forward. Jesus has done quite a bit. He says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinner. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Developing a closeness to God allows us to live in the world and rather than being influenced by it, become influencers to it. Developing a closeness to God allows us to put our foot on the gas and move forward. God is closer than you think he is. My old pastor used to say, he, he was like in his 70s, and when you've done ministry that long, you can just solve everybody's problem with a sweet one-liner. You know, so you just come to him, hey, Pastor Fred, I got some things going on. And one of the things that he used to always say is, if I want something I've never had, then I need to do something I've never done. If you've, ever, if you've never felt a closeness to God, it's time to start doing something different. And I just, I just need to be blunt this morning. If being involved in the church is optional for you, and I'm talking about the church. We, there are great churches in this town. 
If being involved in the church is optional for you, if the weekend rolls around or the week rolls around in attending service or going to your life group is optional for you, can I just ask that you shift your perspective? If going to, to, to life group is a drag and you just don't like it, can I just say, and I'm just, I'm just I hear my heart here, can I just say if going to life group is a drag and you don't like it, go to a different group. I've learned something about people. The, the reason why you and I may not get along is not because your character is flawed or my character is flawed. Our personalities are different. There is nothing wrong with someone else's personality. I may go to a group and say, you know what? We're, not, we're just not hitting it off. Go to a different group. But can I say something else? If every group you go to is a drag, can I just ask you to do something? Is to do this and ask yourself, am I the drag or is this group the drag? May I be so bold as to say, go all in. Go all in. Join a summer group. Join a fall curriculum group. Join the freedom group. I lead the men's freedom group. My wife leads the women's freedom group. Up north, we're looking to launch two more down south in the fall. Go to growth track. If you want to join, if you want to find community, insert yourself into it. Go to Growth Track. Join the Dream Team. Come next week to our 11 o'clock service. Growth Track Step 1 will be right over in the hallway. Come to 9 o'clock. Check your kids back in. Go to Growth Track. Learn a little bit about who we are, about yourself, and get on the Dream Team. I love what Pastor John Mark used to say, and he still says, and I didn't know if I agreed with it at first until I started to see it work. He says, just give us a year. Commit for one year. Come on Sundays, get plugged into the dream team, join a life group, and take advantage of it. We are not a perfect church. I know better than any of you. We are not a perfect church, but I do believe we are an effective church. And the only way for the church to be effective is if we partner together. Together. We've heard story after story from people who have told us, I gave it a year. I went all in. I opened myself up. I stopped blaming, blaming the world around me, and I started owning some things. And I'm telling you, my life isn't where I want it to be, but I got my foot on the gas. I've seen it happen too much, too often. Another change you might need to make is this. Maybe it's time to get honest with a friend. It's time to share your secrets with at least one other person. We believe that God designed you and I to operate most healthy when we have accountability. You need someone taking this journey with you. You need someone who will have your back. Many, many of you, or some of you know this about my family. We, 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 we love adoption and we love fostering and, and that's a big part of our life and we're in the middle of doing that now and it's been a journey and one of the things that we have the benefit of is through Elida Home is therapy. And, and so every now and then we'll do something called family therapy. And Chelsea and I get to be involved and, the, and our two younger boys get to be involved. And they invited us out to the property to go hang out with the horses. And, you know, when horses are on TV, they're like this big. But when they're up close... Man, they are overwhelming. I remember Angel and I were just standing there, and this just huge horse just walks up on us, and it's just a power of force. And it was just a really cool day for our family. I'll tell you something funny. Um, uh, how do I say this at church? So horses, when they get excited, they get excited. And uh, so my youngest son, Josiah, <laughs> you guys lean over to your neighbor and tell him what I'm talking about. 
Don't make me say it. And he said, Dad, did you just see what came out of that horse? And I said, That's, we're, we'll talk about that in the next therapy session. <laughs> Clearly, we need to schedule a second appointment. We just had a blast. We left that, and it was awesome. But uh, we were learning a lot. And if you know anything about my wife, you know that she's got a million questions ready right now about something. And so here we are looking at these horses, and my wife is just like pumped. This is like she's just got some questions. And what is the one thing we all want to know about horses? Do they really sleep standing up? Is this real? Well, I've got news for you. Yes, they can lock the joints in their knees, and they can stand up, but they also lay down to sleep. And the lady who was taking us through this counseling shared something else with us. She said, one of the cool things about the way horses sleep is that whether they're, whether they're on the ground or they're standing, in the wild, there's always one horse that stays awake. And it circles the group. It stays awake and it circles the group and it's looking for predators. Because it's that, jo- it's that horse's job to protect the other horses. How cool is that? Horses have the instinctual behavior to protect one another. (laughs) Let me ask you something. Who is staying awake for you? Who is protecting you when you're in a vulnerable place? If the answer is no one, I've got another question for you. This is a harder question. Who are you staying awake for? Who are you staying awake for? Sometimes we gotta give before we get. You gotta give it before you get it. Do you give as good as you get? Who are you staying awake for? Who's staying awake for you? Uh, a couple of months ago, we were getting ready for school, and Angel, my, my oldest, I have permission to share this story with you. We had to get some blood work done for, for something else. And in that blood work, it revealed to us that his liver enzymes were just off. And they thought maybe there was a flaw in the test. Over the next couple of days, he gave blood five or six times. And, and it was kind of overwhelming. And school was starting. And, and so we had to give blood the first day of school. And the doctor came back into the office. And he looked at Chelsea and I. And he said, I just called you and see Chapel Hill. You need to get in your car right now and make your way there. They're going to have a bed ready for you. You're going to need to stay there a couple of days. We've got to figure out what's going on with this liver. And it, I mean, it just hit us like a ton of bricks. Me, Chelsea, Angel, we're just trying to figure out what's going on. And Chelsea and I are trying to figure out what we've got. Did we just drop the younger ones off at school? And, 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 and this is the first day of school or the second day of school. And how, 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 how do we, we felt vulnerable. How are we going to get this done? And so we started to make some phone calls. And I remember the Tabor said, listen, don't ask, don't ask. Bring the kids here. Go put me on the list. We'll pick up the kids after school. Don't think about the younger boys anymore. Take care of your, of your family. And we just thought, oh my gosh, that's, and so we're still rushing home and, you know, we've got people staying awake for us, right? And, 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 and then we hit the road and somebody else hears about what's going on through the grapevine and I get a phone call and they say, hey, listen, man, we're praying for your family. We know this came up unexpectedly. We don't know how this is financially going to hit you guys. So send me your Venmo. I want to I pay for your dinner tonight. And I was like, man, I, thank you so much. Like, that's, that's so helpful to us. And... I check my Venmo and there's $500 that just got drafted into my account. And I just called my buddy and I said, hey man, you, you, you hit zero too much. And he said, no man. I see. He said, You're, this is, let us do this for you. If you need a hotel room, if you need dinner, just let us, let us take care of you. Man, I just got to tell you, when you have people 
who are willing to stay awake for you. Life is different. Life is better. But it could be that you need to go and start staying awake for the people around you. You've got to work for relationship. You've got to be actively involved in pursuing relationships. The third change that you may need to make is this. It's time to get in tune with my purpose and passions. That note is incorrect. We can take that slide down. It's time to get in tune with my purpose and passions. I want to I share a verse that I believe is incredibly powerful, but also somewhat divisive within ourselves. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 6. He says, if anyone thinks there's something when they are not, they deceive themselves. If you're pursuing something that always leaves you frustrated, feeling like you fell short, it doesn't mean that the thing you're pursuing is bad. It could be that you shouldn't be pursuing it. Each, it goes on, each one should test their own actions. Then they can pride themselves, pride, take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Let me ask you something. Have you ever taken inventory of the why? Why am I pursuing this dream of mine? Why am I throwing myself into this area? Is it so you can measure up? Is it so that you can feel like you add value to the world or maybe the people in your world? Is it to prove something to someone who spoke negativity over you? Some of us need to ask ourselves why and then get real honest with ourselves. How much of a difference would it make for you to know right now in this moment that you're able to walk through life knowing who you are, knowing that you are loved by God and nothing changes that. You don't have to compare your output to the people around you. You don't have to compare the size of your purpose to those on Instagram. You are not defined by the success of your dreams. You are not defined by the size of your purpose. God has a big dream for you, I'm convinced. He's got a big purpose for you. But before you even know what those are, you are loved more than he can ever love you. And isn't it unique how when we start pursuing the things of God, we start to deal with insecurity? Because we're fighting a battle. We're living for a kingdom. And the enemy wants to attack that kingdom. Don't confuse your purpose for God's purpose. You know, my plan, truthfully, was to never be in ministry. I knew from a young age that, that I wanted to be a history teacher. Not because I wanted to teach history, but because I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. I remember talking to my girlfriend at the time. She's now my wife, 10 years in. And I remember we were talking on, 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 on a cul-de-sac one night about our dreams. And I just remember saying, I just want to make a difference in people's lives. And I think I'm going to, I mean, I was enrolled in, in, in the education program at Charleston Southern University. And I just remember thinking, I'm, I just can't wait. I don't even know if I'll be a good, I don't know that much stuff, but I just want to make a difference in people's lives. And history just seemed like, I don't want to be a PE teacher because, you know, they get jokes about them. I just wanted to be the next easiest thing, which is a history teacher. Those are facts. Sorry. I just wanted to make a difference in people's lives. And I remember God slammed the door shut on me going to Charleston Southern. And I didn't know what to do. And I had to give God room in my life. 
to shift me. God had other plans. I could have absolutely followed my dreams of making a difference by going. I could have figured it out. Some of us are, are just trying to figure out how to get our purpose our way. But when I gave God the playbook, he shut the door on education. Let me ask you, he opened, a, I don't know that God, sh- I don't believe God shuts doors and doesn't open others. But I got to ask you a question. Have you ever given God the leverage in your life to shut some doors for you? I had to come to the realization that, that my dream wasn't teaching. My dream was making a difference in people's lives. And I had to allow God to tell my story. God has a purpose and a passion for you. We just got to let him walk our story for us. The fourth thing is this, and this is it. It's time to get on doing something greater than myself. It's time to get on doing something greater than myself. You know, joy does not come from serving oneself. Joy does does not come from getting into the right neighborhood, getting into the next tax bracket, making more money. Real joy comes when you know you are on a God-given adventure. Ephesians chapter 2 in the message version says, God creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. God wants you to join him. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Man, I got to tell you, the idea of making a difference in someone else's life, it fires me up. God has a work for you. And understand this, the work that he has for you will fulfill you and make a difference in someone else's life. You know, Chelsea and I, we're just convinced that we've discovered our purpose. The local church in adoption, and we run heavy We say no to a lot of things because we want to keep saying yes to those things. And sometimes the purpose God has given us slaps us in the face. Because a life of significance is one that is challenging. Sometimes your purpose will be tough to pursue. You'll have to persevere. But you know what keeps Chelsea and I getting up when we get knocked down? Is because when we're down and we look up, we see that people's lives are being changed. And if God wants to use me as a vessel and tear me apart and tear me down, you know, there are times when I just have to say, God, spend me. God, just, I don't know why this, but God, if, if I, spend me, use me, God. This hurts. And if you let God spend you, you will look and see that your life is making a difference. If your purpose and passion serve you alone, then eventually you'll get tired of fighting for them. And I know that, that this is one of those types of messages where you, you get fired up and then you have to deal with the reality the moment we walk out those doors. You know, Robbie, I've got, I've got too much history and I've got too much habits and I've got too much hurt and I can't get past the hurt and I keep getting hurt. I keep getting hurt. How long do I have to keep getting hurt? And I want you to know that I hear you. I feel you. My heart aches for you. Maybe you want to be fired up with me, but the pain of the past is too great to overcome. Maybe you're still grieving. Grieving a hurt from your spouse, grieving from a mistake that you wish you wouldn't have ever made, or grieving what someone spoke over you and believing it. Maybe you're in a place and you're looking through the rearview mirror and you just don't see that the light is green. I want, to, I want to say something to you this morning that, that maybe you just need to write down and wrestle with later. But I want you to write this down. 
I can't go back and change the beginning. But I can start where I am and change the ending. I, see, I, I have people in my life who are doing that. I've got people who, who I have the privilege of walking through life with and I am seeing them start to believe that the past is in the past. They can make a shift in the moment and their future doesn't have to be dictated by their past. You need to know that you serve a God who is capable of changing the way that your story ends. What story is your life gonna tell? Last night I was flipping through the channels and I was watching a show and this commercial came on that struck me. And it was Deepak Chopra, a noted agnostic atheist guy, spiritualist in some ways. And he started to talk and he was saying, the most important, listen to this, the most important thing in your life is that you find freedom from something. And then he said, and then once you do that, once you, once you deal with the junk, you know what the next thing for you to do is? <laughs> His words, not mine. You got to discover your purpose. And then he said, once you discover, I get goosebumps. He said, once you discover your purpose, you got to make a difference. And I'm just sitting there thinking, you, you almost got it. You almost got it. See, what he's missing there is the activator. Because before you can find freedom and discover your purpose and make a difference, you've got to know God. God wants to partner with you. And so many of us are running the hamster wheel of life, trying to discover our purpose, hearing about it, tired of hearing about it, wanting to make a difference. And we have got to start knowing God to the point where we believe the things that God says about us. I think that God wants to partner with you. I think he's got a big purpose for you. I think he wants to make a difference. I just want to encourage you, sign up for a life group. Join the dream team. I've just seen it work. I've seen it work in my life. I believe that God's got a story for you. We just got to be willing to live it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to open up your word, to hear, to hear from you. God, I, I just pray that your word was spoken, that you were that you are moving in this room, that, that today, God, you are calling out lies. God, that you are breaking down the walls that we've built, the lies that we've believed about ourselves that have just encapsulated us, that we, we, we're living in a prison, God. I pray that today we would have the boldness and the belief to knock down these prison walls of unbelief, knock down these prison walls of sin, knock down the prison walls of shame that we've come to believe, God, that we're stuck here, that there's no, there's no purpose for us. There's no, my, my marriage can't get better. I, I can't be a better father. I, I can't be a difference maker in someone else's life. I pray, God, that you would demolish the walls this morning and that we would have the audacity, the courage to take a step out of that prison, to put our foot on the gas and to move forward. God, breathe life into us. Breathe a spirit of peace over us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.